Hello and welcome to the SIPS Queensland podcast where we interview Queensland professionals to get an insight to their careers, their highs, their lows, their wisdom and their advice. So let's check out today's podcast guest. Hello and welcome to today's SIPS Queensland Procurement Podcast. My name is Peter Morichavitis and I have the privilege of interviewing today's guest. For those who do not know me, I'm a member of the SIPS Queensland Committee by night and by day I'm a Senior Procurement Consultant with Peak Services. Well, that's enough about me. I'm very excited to introduce our podcast guest, who is Stephen Keogh. Head of Procurement for the Brisbane Airport Corporation. In asking Stephen to tell me more about himself, the first topic he brought up was his children, which is wonderful. Stephen is a father of two beautiful children, a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. Stephen tells me that the children keep him sharp in his negotiation skills, particularly the seven-month-old who does not accept no as an answer. That's now enough of me talking. We'll find out much more about Stephen as this podcast unfolds. So without further ado, I welcome Stephen Keogh, our special guest for this podcast. Welcome, Stephen. G'day, Peter. How are you? I'm very, very well and, uh, yeah, excited. I'm excited for this uh, chat. Yeah, good. Same. And, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for the offer of uh, of, uh, helping to contribute uh, to the committee. Our, our privilege. Stephen, I'm sure our listeners um, have already picked up from the few words you've spoken that you don't sound like the typical Queenslander. Tell us about your journey and what brought you to Queensland. Yeah, good question. Um, I'll try to give a short answer. I've, I've got feedback before that um, I don't give short answers, so I'll try to give you a short answer as, as we go through. <laughs> and that's mainly for my wife, to be honest with you. Um, yes, yeah, so originally from Ireland, Peter, um, I was lucky enough um, when I was 22 or 23 to get to spend 12 months backpacking through Australia and doing all that type of stuff. And um, as part of that, I spent three or four months up in Brisbane, which was great. So when my 12 months was up, I went back home, a little bit more work in Ireland. And then I decided, um, OK, where, where am I going to settle? And I kind of always felt the future for me was in Australia. Just loved the way of life, the lifestyle. Sunshine naturally was uh, quite an attraction. Moved to Sydney for a few years, uh, which have a bit of family and some friends down there. So that was an easy kind of step in. And then um, in 2012, I was offered a role with Queensland Rail, actually. Um, so I, I kind of packed everything up and drove up to Brisbane. And um, so I've been here now in Brisbane um, since 2012, which is crazy. That's coming up nine years. I, uh, that just blows my mind, to be honest with you. That's I'm been nine wise. years already. Yeah, it definitely does. Um and as I say, it's, it's 20 years ago since we were backpacking in Brisbane. And in those 20 years, Brisbane's definitely a different town. Uh, lots of development, definitely a growing town. A uh, great place to live, um, Australia generally, and Brisbane definitely for me. Uh, yeah, that, that's a short answer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, a great city. And uh, yeah, I've had the privilege of, uh, of working in every capital city in the country. And uh, Brisbane is my pick. Um, but even better, I, I get to live on the Gold Coast. So uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's yeah, even yeah. better. I, I do one one thing I like. Um, well, procurement is a relatively small community and a close community. Definitely, um, in a in a town like Brisbane, it's fantastic. You know, um, you can you can build a network and kind of keep close to everybody because it's a relatively small city, which is great. Definitely, definitely, and um, and yeah, I guess uh, yeah, SIPs uh, helps to do that. Stephen, um, Brisbane Airport 
corporation head of procurement. So I, I take it that's the organisation which runs the airport. Yeah, excuse my uh, naivety. Um, tell, tell us about that organisation and, uh, and and your role and uh, maybe some of your uh, challenges and and day-to-day -day, um, activities. Sure. Um, so a bit about the, the organisation. Yeah, Brisbane Airport Corporation um, operates the airport effectively, you know, so um, it's kind of like, you know, we've all been to airports, you know, you go in and uh, the, you put airport head on. Where do I check in? How do I get through security? Okay, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Where's my gate? And then you just pass through the airport, right? So as a customer, that's totally cool. And you want to make that, uh, that as, as a customer, you want to get through as quick as you can. As the operator of an airport, heavily regulated environment, you know, safety is key, very customer-centric kind of environment. When you walk behind the scenes to see an airport and everything that goes on behind it, it's just a phenomenal operation um, to see the different things that goes on. Um, so the Queens, uh, sorry, Brisbane Airport Corporation specifically, while manage the airport and everything to do with airport, there's mm -hmm. actually quite a, there's a massive land bank um, here as well. I think it's 2,700 hectares of land. Um, okay. So if anyone who's familiar with Brisbane, you, you have the DFO and you have all the industrial units around. BAC is effectively a property developer and property manager as well. So you got that uh, diverse portfolio um, around airport operations, and then you got the non-airport or non aviation uh, business area as well which is quite an interesting split between the two um, uh, and definitely quite an interest from procurement's perspective then as well helping helping both sides out so a little bit about procurement at BAC BAC um, kind of similar to Brisbane's journey uh, BAC has grown quite a bit in the 27 years since um, since it was privatized kind of moved from being a pretty relatively small company to a medium-sized and over the last five or six years it's definitely grown exponentially um, notwithstanding COVID I suppose um, there was a restructure uh, about two or three years ago. We had a new CEO come in and part of he, one of the first things he noticed is, well, you guys don't have a procurement team. Who does your procurement? And it was most definitely a decentralized model. So there was no uh, procurement team, group, or even position. Um, so my role to come in as the head of procurement was to stand up the function. Um, so I was the, f the first person in BIC's history actually to come in and, and dedicate okay. my time to to procurement, which was a super interesting thing to do, right? To come into a, a brownfield environment and, and say it was a decentralized model with a lot of kind of local processes, you know, in different business areas. So it was come in, have a chat to everybody, see what's working well across the business, and just put a bit of um a bit a bit of structure and a bit of a framework across how the business, you know, procures and engages with the market, a bit of consistency and standardization across that then as well. Um and to make sure what were put it was it was good. I had a bit of flexibility and uh, quite a bit of um, uh, freedom to put a new process in place. But it was great kind of putting that in place because you were definitely putting a fit for purpose uh, process depending on value category, all that type of stuff as well. You know, which has generally been quite well received across the business. Um, and it's been quite quite a journey. Um, two and a half years already, which is which is um, which has absolutely flown by. We've achieved a lot, but gosh, we've we've a lot more to achieve as well. Stephen, um, one of the things I was looking forward to um, with, with this uh, interview was, uh, was sort of talking shop and some procurement uh, topics. And, and one of them, um, which I wanted to uh, discuss, was around structure. So you, you mentioned decentralised. Any thoughts on whether that's the right procurement structure for your organisation compared to, say, centralised or, uh, or centre-led? 
Yeah, sorry. And uh, when when I came in, it was decentralised, and we we did move to a centre-led um, model, and that's where we're at at the minute. And I think it's it's very appropriate for where we are at as an organisation. And I think it's you know it's that hybrid middle ground, wherever you want to call it. Um, I, I I like the centre-led model. So we only have a small team as well. Or it's only four of us here in procurement. So quite sure. simply, we would not be able to manage the workload of never mind just going to market and engagement and all that, managing contracts and all the SRM and all the actual value that you can add, you know. Um, so we've split it out um, how centre-led looks for ourselves. We've effectively generally um, split it between um, capital cost and operating cost. So mm-hmm. OPEX costs generally is managed by ourselves here in the central team and the CAPEX land generally is managed by the business kind of, it's it's a good natural split, but also a lot of the people who are employed in in the construction teams, they're very familiar with going to market. You know, project managers, contract manager, or construction. That's part of parcel of their day job. Their day job is yeah. managing contractors. They've been to market countless number of times, so we're quite comfortable with their skill set. You know, we're just kind of putting a consistent process against that. A lot of the opex side, then that's what we kind of manage, and we we do still have then that that that. That hybrid between the two, um, it's you know, you know, as as you come in, right, and it's part of transformation and change management and stakeholder management and chatting to people and stuff, and just the perceived lack of control or what. Well, I say, wait a minute, this is my budget. Why are you now taking all of this yes, and controlling everything? Yes. And say, I'm not. I'm just, we're we're just here to help, kind of thing, you know. And the centre-led model really helps that conversation come along. It's not. Like I definitely did not come in, Peter, on day one and say, okay, everybody, stop what you're doing. Stephen Kyo is here and I'm telling you how to go and procure stuff. You know, not at all. You know, you definitely come in and respect a lot of experience and 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 what other people have to offer. Um yeah. that that kind of worked quite well in letting people know, hey guys, this isn't about me coming in and telling you what to do. It's like you guys still have quite a bit of power to do go and do what you need to do. And that conversation, depending on who the stakeholder is, right? And depending on what their area of responsibility is and depending on how long they've been in the organization, maybe and after a couple of conversations, you know, you get a feel for, okay, how does this person approach the world? Um, you know, are they going to be a key ally or are they somebody going to have to spend a bit more time with or what? You know, and you, the, the conversation kind of gets tailored as you kind of move through that. The center led model kind of allows you to take that conversation where it needs to go and, yeah, and what's, yeah. a, what's appropriate for, for that business area, category, stakeholder or, or, or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, I'm a career professional and I learned uh, very early in my career that uh, all the money you're trying to uh, influence uh, is not in your budget or your That's cost centers exactly right it's out there in the business and uh yeah as a result um that ability to uh form those relationships and influences uh is very very important um so just to, just just to finish off on um a little bit more with your organization what what are your main categories of spend so generally services contracts. So um, secure supply security services. So you know you, you go to airport, you check your bag through the yes, metal detector, well, and, you yes. walk, and you walk through. So uh, pre-COVID, you know you could have anywhere between seven or eight hundred uh, security guys employed across airports. So it's um, significant contract um, um, managing 
that, that that's my my key category and my area um that, that we manage facilities uh maintenance again as a services contract you have a car park and landside maintenance so we've got multiple car parks throughout the business and um they call it landside services which is um you, you know the drop off as you drive up and you've got the two minutes to drop off yes. or pick up and yep. you have the guys walking along there and managing that but then they manage kind of uh uh it's it's almost like traffic management to be honest they're almost like traffic cops as well um then you have other services contracts such as baggage handling maintenance so okay. conveyor all the conveyor belts right and you probably only see, and this is kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, when you go behind the scenes in an airport of of exactly how big the operation is. Well, you know, when you <clears throat> when you check in your bag, you only see a couple of meters of a conveyor belt. When you get it off, you just see the, the snake conveyor yeah. belt when it comes off the plane, right? When you go behind the wall, it's just phenomenal. And it's almost a baggage handling system. It's 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 a it's a tech system with some mechanics running around it and you see how that's all interacted across the terminal and you know if, if so I was always before I worked uh, in an airport because if I'm going home I'm going to Ireland you don't fly direct from Brisbane to Ireland right and depending on how how uh, cheap I wanted to be with my flight there might be multiple stopovers or if I say stuff I'll just go straight through Dubai or Abu Dhabi or wherever it's only two flights and sure enough my bag would show up on the other side and it was all totally fine you know and it's just it, it always just blew my mind how, how it kind of happened managing that contract and making sure that those systems don't go down yeah because <laughs> if that system goes down for half an hour or an hour you know the knock-on impact of delayed flights and all that type of stuff is a serious issue from a customer perspective from an operational perspective from a revenue perspective from a stakeholder perspective with airlines and all that type of stuff absolutely you know, brand name yeah exactly right exactly right and you know um and with notwithstanding procurement's job of you know maximizing value through outsource services uh, we do outsource right that's that's what we do um you know the cost pressures that come along with something like covid when our business is a volume business of people if people aren't going through you're not making money right so then the cost pressure that goes on and and then and i'm probably taking this conversation in a different say making sure that you don't go too skinny on some of them services contracts because you know i could save a dollar here but then the impact and the knock-on that could have to the airport in a critical asset would just be it just wouldn't it just, the, the, the good news story of that dollar that i saved you know whoa what did you do that for oh i was trying to save a penny you know that that's that that getting that balance right um is, is definitely a challenge but a super interesting challenge um and that's that, yeah, that, that balance here yeah, that procurement professional needs to make uh, between yeah. between cost and uh, those yeah. other aspects of the service. You said you've been in the role for about two and a half years. I guess mm. um, you, you you really only would have got your feet under the table and then COVID would have hit. That would yeah. have been a bit of a game changer, I guess, for your industry. De- de- well, definitely for the industry and definitely for procurement and and for me at BAC, to be honest. Um, for the industry, I mean, there's no secret, right? Planes, there's all sorts of news reports and yeah. pictures of planes parked up, um, and and ever the, the impact broader than just aviation and tourism and all that type of stuff and and individuals you know as i say i, I live overseas i have a couple of kids my parents haven't seen them um my mm. parents came out once when our first kid was just born but like i, I we were planning on going back home um, and I'm, I'm definitely not definitely not the only person in that situation you know and visiting friends and relatives is a massive market and it's a decent sized percentage of of air travel you're seeing then in march april may 
uh, when all borders were open in, in Australia and then the, the bubble with New Zealand kicked off. Things were kind of getting back to normal, you know, and you're kind of going, geez, I think, are we there? Have we have we cracked it? And then obviously we didn't. So kind of went back again. So quite quite positive with, with where the industry will go as vaccination rates are kind of clicking back up, right? So hopefully into uh, maybe, I don't know what Christmas will look like. We wait and see what how the premiers all play together and yeah, how they manage manage their own stakeholders i suppose yeah. but um with regard to procurement and the impact i had on procurement i'm a very positive person right and you always try to see the opportunity and you kind of say well what's the situation how are we going to deal with it we were on a change journey here in procurement because we were new we were only 12 months old in a 20 i don't know 23 24 year old business right we were the yeah. baby we're still trying to put changing yep we changed the model we had a new policy procurement policy approved we had a new procedure and you kind of you know you're you're making them steps and you're you're kind of moving along you're building those relationships you're getting some runs on the board and then bang put the brake on guys you're not going out to market a huge amount you have to pull all those contracts back in that's where procurement stepped up we formed what we're calling the contract response group where we pulled all our key stakeholders key contract managers together and we effectively facilitated uh led and facilitate um what's our negotiation approach going to be to some of these key contractors instead of and this this is the beauty of decentralized piece as well you know decentralized where you've got inconsistency in how people are talking and what the different techniques negotiation yes. tactics are for that type of stuff how we treating our contractors we brought all that back in together and through a lot of hard work right, and a lot of conversations that everybody listening to this and in procurement would have had over the last 18 months, um, it really elevated procurement in the organization as well. You know, so um, it was one real positive um, that came through that whole situation and it, it's still there is that it really built some very strong relationships from procurement and with some of our key stakeholders because you know so guys we're here to help and we did help out and it really showed the value of that central procurement team and in how you kind of manage that situation and it wasn't just all about the dollar either we didn't nobody knew what was happening next so it's like you can cut contracts and all that type of stuff but is that really how you're going to be treating some of these contractors you know who you will be relying on and and you do want to have that bit of care as well because they're all people no one knew what was going on right it's not just about us and our dollars and i really feel how we dealt with um with our contractors through that period has it's it's almost taken the the uh the relationship with our service providers up another level you know you you know we always yes. want to you put your two by two together, you want everyone in the top right hand corner of partnership, you know, where, where it needs to be. Um, you know, I've got a lot of good contact, uh, good feedback through, and it's not just about me, right? We've got some really, really strong contract managers in the business some some great skill sets out there. How we kind of worked with our contractors and our services providers uh, through that period has has really kind of taken that on uh, to the next level. So the the impact COVID has had on the business definitely, and it's definitely still being felt, right? And we are all hoping that um, that we can fly again and we can all take holidays and all that type of stuff, and that'll have knock on effect for us. But um, for from a procurement perspective and the timing of it, because as you say, I think I was pretty much just twelve months in the role, so you know you're mm. kind of thinking, geez, what have we done in the last twelve months? Well, we've done this, this, this. What have we left to do? Well, we've got loads of things to do. And then bang, and you completely pivot, right? And then all them process improvement review type stuff that was on your plan, that's definitely not your priority when cost turns. And cost is always a focus or value or whatever you want to call it. But when we had to pivot, we did. And um, it was a really, really positive time for the group, which is which is pretty cool. And actually led to my group. There was only there was two of us at the time. 
and um we actually inherited uh, two positions from the business then as well because like wait a minute you've no capacity you need to focus on so we turned into a team of four then pretty quick which is a small team but it's bigger than two <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's, so it's double yeah yeah and totally hopefully, um you'll get the opportunity in the future to uh when when the world gets a little bit back to normal to to be able to to look at the advancing the procurement function um, yes back to some of your more original plans Stephen. This, exactly right, yeah. there's something um about you which is unique which i wanted to touch upon i guess if i briefly share about my procurement journey and i'm a i'm a career procurement professional i um fell into procurement so i guess um i was fortunate uh when i left high school i received a cadetship with bhp who uh were going to pay my way through university back then there wasn't too many procurement or supply chain degrees and uh i didn't even know they existed they let me study whatever i wanted i studied finance and marketing i got to work and on the first day they said to me peter we want you to be in procurement and supply chain and my response was oh what's that <laughs> and many years later i haven't looked back so i guess i fell into procurement however you i understand you consciously chose procurement as a career path yeah i know and it, and, it, and it's funny like because the amount of people that say that we, or we fell into it and it's more i fell into it i guess the team was called purchasing at the time right because i don't know procurement in ireland definitely wasn't a mature function definitely getting there now so yeah i did make a call so i, I think when i was about i can't remember maybe 20 or 21 I'd, I'd finished uni and in in ireland ireland and the u.s government have a reciprocal agreement of a it's not like a working holiday thing it's like when you're in uni you can do like a six months kind of yep uh it's like it is a working holiday visa type thing. Yeah. So me and my mate, mates headed off to the States for about six months or so when we were 19 or 20, which was, which was great fun. And then I came back, uh, I needed some money. So uh, I applied for a job and I'd studied finance and languages actually in um, in, in uni. And I just I said, oh, I'll just apply for a job. And I got a job in a, a construction company, which was just up the road from me, which was kind of perfect. And it was in their accounts payable team. Okay. So I was like, fine, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll jump in, I'll do that. Um, and pretty quickly um there was a position came up in their purchasing team they had a very strong purchasing manager who, who needed some help and i kind of had a couple of conversations with her and she was my first mentor as such and um you know a position came up and i said you know i'm i really i really liked the like everyone what what the role was and what she'd done you know she'd be getting out getting out to sight and all that type of stuff and seeing seeing what was going on and um a position came up and i said i'm gonna put my hat on the ring for this i, I really like what's going on over in that in that purchasing team and yeah so I, I made the decision and I, I was quite happy um and i was successful so then um, i started studying in nights and all that all that type of stuff then as well and i kind of moved moved along from there which was which was pretty cool and i'm quite glad because I, I remember at the time thinking i don't want to do finance or accounts. I don't want to be an accountant. Yeah. They're great people, but not for me. Um, and I, I'm really happy uh, uh, that I did. And particularly then, you know, as as you move different organisations. And when I moved to Australia um, and moving into somewhere like Queensland Rail, which at the time they had a team between procurement, contracts and supply relations, the team of like 60 or 70 people or something. I was like, this is fantastic, you know, like proper procurements like formal structure around how you do it um I, I was really glad i had that experience to take in and kind of kind of take it through so yeah yeah 
<laughs> Great. Um, I guess whether you call it procurement or purchasing or supply or supply chain, I guess over the last um, 20 years, uh, what's your view of the, 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 the function? Has it changed? Do you think it's evolved? Yeah, um, I think that it's a, that's a really good question because I'm, I'm, I think I have about 20 or so, maybe a little bit more, 20 years experience. So I've kind of, I've thought about this before, you know, as you, as you hear different people talking about it and it's kind of over the last 20 years has it evolved. It's evolved for me because of, you know, as, as my role changed and as you kind of step up into senior roles and stuff, you, you, you learn a lot more about it and, and how has procurement kind of evolved. Because I worked in construction companies uh, back in Ireland, and relatively small companies, it was purchasing, you know, it was a construction yeah. site. You put a deal in place for it, I don't know, concrete or steel or whatever. And, you know, and then you call off orders type of stuff. And it was more about... Uh, the logistics of getting it to the site on time depend on a lot of work in the inner city as well. So a very constrained environment and the logistics around that. How procurement are, has evolved, um, you know, the ability, if you look at something like category management, right, the, the ability to step back and, and kind of look at a portfolio or a category or whatever and how, how wait a minute, what, what do we need and what are we going to need over the next couple of years and what's the best like stepping back a level and kind of looking at okay that's what we need and that's how we're going to go and source it and then the people out in the business can call off their orders or whatever that's totally cool it's okay it's almost like the, the evolution is is how you're going to negotiate how you prepare for your negotiate and then that's really where a, a procurement or commercial uh mind comes into it you know it's not just you're going in and say hey uh, you charged you said it's going to be 100 well I'll give it 50, no, 90, no, 60, <laughs> 75. That's not a bad deal. Let's shake hands. You know, like really understanding and whether it should cost model TCOs, all that type of stuff or, or understanding um, body language and how you're going to read the other person yes. or even preparing your team and say, okay, look, we need to have three or four of us on our side of the table. My role is going to be, I'll, I'll do the talking and, you know, you could do the numbers and you observe and then you debrief after and go, okay, how did they react when we spoke about this or ask it some of them probing questions in negotiation to try and understand what's truly important or what what do they need to win out of this negotiation? Okay, well, that's an easy one for us to give. So let's kind of focus on that and big that one up for that. Think, let them think they've got something out of that. You know what I mean? It's almost like the evolution of of of, of how you're preparing for that negotiation. And it, you might be locking in a five-year deal it's locked in, <laughs> you know, like if, if you shake hands on day one and you're not happy with it, you go, oh, wait a minute. Okay, that's that's a long time before you kind of, kind of, kind of get out of that. So um, in my mind, yeah, the evolution has been for me personally, uh, what I've been exposed to, I suppose, um, which has been pretty cool. Um, and kind of how, how you how you can step back and get involved in it's it's not it's not what we need today. Let's go play, place an order for it. You know what I really really enjoy, and I suppose evolution as well is, is stuff like SIPs and and the network and the value of the network and using the network. And I suppose that's something mm. I probably I definitely didn't do when I was younger. Like um, was to kind of look for people in the same profession but outside and kind of listen to how they approach different different things. You know, I think the the power of the network and maybe that's the that's with stuff like. Uh, all the different 
not necessarily various conferences and you know if you have sips and everything that we have available online to us you know and the ease of a linkedin reach out and kind of wait a minute I, yeah we, we're in the same industry actually we were close together i've seen you at a conference let's have a catch-up kind of thing you know um and the access to information i think the the evolution of how we network then as well is so powerful um, and i've learned so much uh, through various forums, definitely SIPs, you know, you see a presentation and you might go to conference and see 20 presentations. I can guarantee you'll take five, at least five absolute nuggets away from that. And you go, wow. And they might only be one liners or it might be a motto or it might be something different. Or there's always going to be a presentation on whatever you're working on or whatever you want to work in the next three or six months. And you go, hey, I see Peter actually presented. I remember he presented on that three or six months ago at, at, at the SIPs thing. I'm going to reach out and say, hey, what did what would you do differently? What was your lessons learned? What worked well? That type of stuff, rather than I'm sitting on your own. Was, I'm, I'm glad someone was listening to my presentation. Uh. Yeah, 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 that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather than kind of trying to solve all the problems yourself and kind of make the same mistakes that other people made. You know, so the evolution of how we network, I think, has been very, very cool and very beneficial. If you're being selfish about it, you want to get as much as you want well and you want to contribute as well you know so being part of the community has been good <laughs> yeah and that, and that is community you got to you got to give back you know as well as uh, as well as receive and uh yeah as part of that journey um you know while you learn to to try and uh, also impart your knowledge on others and i guess this is a sort of part of the process and what we're we're doing here today and right now through uh through this podcast um you touched upon I, I guess the the sort of the profession you know i guess probably the way i look at it years ago i mean procurement's always been there every yeah. organization you know hunt, over the last hundreds or thousands of years has yeah. procured you know they've always bought goods and services i think um i think it, it was years ago an unconscious type function and uh in more recent times it's become more conscious and on organizations minds and i guess mm. that's why mm. your current organization you know two or three years ago thought hey it's time we yep. got a we got a procurement uh, department in place and looked at this a little bit more yeah. seriously I, I think you're right there and it's like you know there would be in a time where it's like there's somebody who has a particular job and they order stuff as well it just yes. kind of lands who whose desk is that going to land on yours go for it oh okay yeah cool no problem instead of having wait a minute this is the desk where that stuff gets ordered from come and talk to me you know yeah, part of everyone's day job so if, yeah. if we i guess if we sort of um tease that a little bit further from a a key skill set perspective and i guess um you know these are the things we look for in developing our own skills and also in the skills of our procurement teams. Um, what are your thoughts, Stephen, on sort of the right skill set for a procurement individual or even a procurement team? Yeah, great question. Um, really good question. I think um, oh, you, you touched on it earlier on, talking about influencing and stakeholder relationships and that type of stuff. I really I I truly, truly see procurement as um, we are an enabling area, right? And as I said, we don't have any budget. We play with everyone else's budget. So it's like I truly see procurement as a, a business area that meets the requirements of the company. The company will have 
needs that they need to go to market they need to get this in we are there to service that if the business didn't exist we wouldn't exist right we are there to meet the need of the business are you going to be is it going to be a compliance relationship i have to deal with procurement so i'll do all my work and i'll give you a call to that because i need to deal with you to go to market tomorrow not great right there's not going to be a good outcome at all there or is it going to be very much hey i have a bit of an issue here who can help me? The procurement guys can actually help. They're pretty good. They've been they they've been helpful before. The ability to to build a relationship, to listen to the issues that each stakeholder has, and kind of touched on it earlier. You know, in the early conversations I had in BAC. So, guys, what's what's your issues? You know, what's the big issues? What's the big problems that you have? The, the ability to listen and identify what is important to various stakeholders, and go, okay, well, that's what I'm going to address for you, and that's what we'll do next. People see that and go, geez, they helped me out. That was pretty good takes the relationship on and just keep on working through that relationship if you know i think the ability to understand that and we are a, we are a people focused uh profession i really i truly truly believe that um i think we need to understand at some point if um, in ourselves individually uh if if you have a big ego and you think you're everyone is there to serve you probably you'll do okay in procurement but you know you may not do fantastically well sure. i think if i think if you if you can approach the business to say hey guys we're here to help right we all work for the same company we, we don't need to compete with each other like we're all we're all working on the same project or whatever it needs to be you know i think the the the, the, the relationship is the foundation upon which everything else will grow. You will not be able to influence someone who you do not have a good relationship with, bar from saying section 4.2 of procurement policy says, you know, <laughs> yeah, okay, that's not necessarily influencing, right? And that's why I'm going to go back to the compliance issue earlier. It's like, but then you can manage your stakeholders really well. And I don't, that probably doesn't sound great. You can manage your stakeholders. If you have such a, a really strong working relationship with, with a business that you can have an open conversation, they say, man, you know, I know we just done something there that was that really didn't work for us. Oh shit! Okay, Jesus, I thought that was going well, but thanks for that feedback. Let's move on. Next time, you won't do that, right? And they're open and honest with you, and they're not guarded. They're defensive of their own patch and that type of stuff. If you have that relationship, I say that's the foundation upon which everything else will grow. Particularly then, if you want to have that, um, if 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 you're trying to do a strategic sourcing piece, then as well, you need those stakeholders on board for you to be able to do half of what you need to do. Never mind everything, right? If you're sitting in your own in your own office, kind of thinking that you're doing it just because you've done a bit of analysis, that's it's just not going to happen. So I think a key key skill set is is those those people skills. Um, we'll all refine that over time over time you're all constantly learning you know about how to deal with different people and different things and you learn from almost every conversation or interaction you learn something I, and i know i'm definitely still still doing it myself sometimes you go hmm could i have asked that question in a better way to get a better outcome or you know what i mean or even if it's observing that the person person on the other side of the table is they're not having a good day or they're not having a good month okay well, that's not the day for me to go into right i've been working on this category strategy for you you know that's a that's a different thing yeah you know just read the room about where you're at and then pick and pick your time for when you're going to jump into different things that's that's something that i've been learning that kind of observation piece and i remember someone said to me years ago you've got two ears two ears but one mouth for a reason you got to use them in that proportion you should be listening twice as much as you're talking if i'm talking for a whole hour in an hour meeting 
apart from a podcast you've been invited onto. Well, then that's wrong <laughs> because I'm not learning anything about what the need is and what the business need and all that type of stuff. So you got to be you got to be listening. You got to take all that information on, um, and then then you'll be able to deliver upon it. You know. Yeah, and no, I totally agree. I, I, I'm with you. It's those partnering, influencing, relationship-building skills, which to me, Completely. To me are king. Yeah. Um, procurement's not hard. Anyone can learn. Yeah. End -end yeah, you're, you're, you're right. That's it. And, it. and it's almost like you need to break procurement down if, if you're looking at the skills, right? I, I do think Ed, all, all those various people skills that we've discussed, right, definitely a, a key thing because you can you can learn like I mean, you, you can read your policy and say well if it's 500k i need to get so many quotes or, or whatever right and and generally there might be a structure around how you do that and all these kind of templates and all that type of stuff then as you move into negotiation then you've got there's all sorts of training you can do you know to, to kind of build your skills around that and again you will learn with every single negotiation of something go oh that could have got you know i, I got 98 percent. i could have got a little bit more or whatever then if you look at uh, contract management or if you look at SRM where which is something I really see um growing in value for procurement and that's that's I say anyone can effectively run a tender right it's a competitive process and you're going to get a deal yeah you can negotiate something else in there that, and that's totally cool the skill set needed then to manage a contract or to build that, that relationship you know and truly drive value as I said earlier you might sign up for a five-year deal or longer or short or whatever how you drive value once you're in contract then as well is 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 a massive part of it, you know. So the skills needed around that, around being commercial, commercially minded and that, that type of stuff is almost different. Procurement is a big banner, you know, there's there's a lot that goes under it. So um yeah, there's there's there's, there's definitely a different focus with those different parts of it then as well, you know. Definitely, definitely. With that in mind, um I'm just going to uh, I'm going to throw a few uh, just a few questions at you, Stephen, and um, give me um, just give me some brief answers, you know, just a few words um, just to get some of your insights. So is a good procurement person a decision maker, a facilitator of process or an advisor? Oh, a little bit of all three. <laughs> uh, OK, sitting on the fence. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'd say def definitely an advisor. Def um definitely facilitate oh, oh my gosh i'm sorry i'm gonna say advisor if i have to pick pick out a three i'll say advisor it's okay. it's almost it's i'll say um 60 20 20 advisor and then 20 percent on the other two okay and you used the word earlier which i liked um customers um are, are they customers stakeholders or partners yeah, fantastic, fantastic question. Depends on who they are and what their need is and how often you'll be dealing with them. Um, stakeholder management is almost an impersonal term. Yes. <laughs> Customers and partners is a lot more personal. It's a lot more soft. You say, hi, are you one of my stakeholders? What am I? You know, uh, partnership is a fantastic way of talking through to people then as well in, in, in the same business. So I would say partners. Yeah. And do do savings still matter, or has the profession progressed past that? The progress one hundred percent savings still matter. Like the the profession the profession has progressed, but it hasn't progressed past that. It's progressed progressed with that. 
I would say. Um, and whether it just means that uh, your focus is not 100% on direct savings because everything else you do should be some sort of indirect saving, right? You've got dollar saving, then the indirect side might be the value add and value means different things to different people though as well, right? Um, so if someone tells me procurement has progressed past savings, okay, well, well, what's what's your savings target for the year? How much have you guys saved? Okay, so you're now costing the business. Why why are you here? Somebody above, someone will make a decision. If you're not <laughs> if you're not getting dollars on the board, say, okay, well, why are you here? And um, so I think it's progressed with savings. And someone once said to me early in my career, Peter, you need to sell better than you can buy in procurement what do you think um it kind of uh, it, it it's it depends on the organization i think sometimes you know um not not necessarily the individual um you need to it's, it kind of all goes back to that uh, stakeholder management piece you know if 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 you have a really strong relationship with the business, well then are you selling? It's like selling is it sounds like such an effort. Like I need to get you. I need if I'm selling something, I need to get you to buy something sure, or to take yeah. something from me. It's like, you know what I mean? And it's like advertising procurement and talk about what you can do and all that type of stuff. Hundred percent, I get it. You know, we're not we're not just. Uh, working through the process and 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 i understand all that um and it 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 really depends on the organization and where procurement sits in the organization i think so the selling joined, the selling so, sorry sorry yeah two and a half years ago you joined a new organization <coughs> new kid yeah. in town new team at the end of the day you want to provide a service to the business yeah isn't there a little bit of selling in that yeah there is uh, maybe it's just a term uh mm. that that doesn't sit well with me i suppose yeah, um, fair enough it's it's like I, I wasn't trying to I, I everyone I spoke to was a BAC employee as well right we were all part of the one big team so that would mean are other people trying to sell what their departments do to me I was like no I know that you need to be part of this process because of what you can bring to the table this is what I'm bringing to the table and this is what we can do to you this is what we can help you definitely that can be seen as selling I guess I think it might just be the term that doesn't necessarily sit well because it it sounds transactional almost yeah right? sure yeah and I kind of uh, don't really want to sit in that space if if you know what I mean. No, but completely, no. I com completely get the uh, the the advice that you were given. I completely completely understand it. Definitely not sitting on my sitting at my desk thinking, oh, it's just me. That's all totally cool. I, I spend most of my time out uh, talking to talking to the yeah. business about various things. That's probably the selling piece. I get. I if we we'll use that term for the for the purpose of the conversation. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, good, good. I, I'm. I'm just conscious of time, and I can see we could be talking here all day yeah, the way we're yeah, it's, going. It's been good. I, I just want to end with a, with one important question. Um, how do you think we can further the procurement profession in Australia? That's a really great question, um, and it's probably been the subject of dozens of, of presentations in conferences. Um, I think... And if if I knew this answer completely, I'd be able to commercialise it, wouldn't I? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I I think I think embracing 
embracing uh, what's new and not just kind of sitting still and thinking, but we have a policy in place. That's how you're supposed to do things. That's that's what it is. I think we really need to move uh, with the business and not be left behind as a back office or anything, you know. I think um, if we embrace um, technology in, in, and again, it's it's moving procurement forward. How, how do you continue to make it easy for the business to do business while providing commercial and business outcomes, right? How we, if the business has moved on and the business is very tech savvy and you were still there, you know, pumping out tenders in Word or or whatever or evaluating in a way that you done ten years ago, you're not you're not making life easy for the business, you know. So whether it's various apps or different software, different different ways you're engaging, or if it's as simple as removing paper forms because everybody else wants electronic workflows and all that type of stuff, that's totally cool. And it's kind of like you're furthering on procurement then as well. That's that's how you're working with the business. I think where your focus needs to be. There's only so much uh, your tender cycle from a dollar perspective will give you. Right? Yeah. You can only squeeze the lemon so so much. And if you have been in an organization long enough that you have seen that cycle at least once and you're going back to tender on something that you did three or five years ago or, or whatever, if you've been there long enough to see that a couple of times and you've been to the market a few times, you're going, okay, well, what is, is maintaining cost success now? Or what else are you trying to look for? I kind of mentioned earlier with regard to to SRM. I think if for BAC we are an outsourcing business, right? And every, everybody, why, why do you procure? Because you don't do it in house yourself. Yes. Whether it's a service or a product. Yeah. It's okay. Well, who do you buy from? Probably they might be the best people in the world at doing it, or someone who is definitely better than us because that's why we're getting them to do it. So it's okay. Well, why am I sitting here saying you need to do it? You need to go to A, then go to step B, and then do C. Okay, do you understand all that, guys? Yes, no problem. Thanks, you. We are all robots now. It's like, guys, what's the best way of doing this? How how can we how can we get this done in the most efficient way, cost effective way, or whatever you know? And um, not it might be kind of outcomes based type stuff, but really leveraging the expertise where you're where you're buying the expertise from you know what i mean um and i think if you can if you can nail that well um i think procurement it it's all about yeah how was the outcome yeah that's fantastic that guy was a great outcome totally cool we won't be sitting there waiting to be patted on the back around but that's 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 all fine we are an enabling area um, and I, and i think that's where i see kind of procurement pushing along as well and then that takes it takes it on to that's just not while looking for someone to deliver that um the relationship in there and continuing to evolve how different things are done when you're in contract right because you might have a particular dollar price whatever that you set up in, in yeah. contract but how that service where's i'll use the word innovation right or how can we do things a little bit differently or how can you make a tweak or a change because hey over the last few months that hasn't been going well how about we tweak this or we do that or we do that or whatever it gives a great outcome because it has to work for the company who are contracting kind of has to work for the contractor as well to get a great outcome as you know um can't all be one-sided so i think really 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 pushing that side with it as well this uh is a key thing for the future great St- stephen keogh thank you very much for your insights i'm very excited to share this podcast with our sips community peter thanks a million really enjoyed the conversation uh great great to chat to you again um it's it's it's, it's been a while and i suppose that's a hmm. factor of covid as well we've you haven't seen each other for a while, but uh, no, I really appreciate being asked. Um, re- really happy to contribute to the community. Um, yeah, so thanks so much. My pleasure. Bye-bye.